Good morning and welcome to a special noontime episode of CCT Live, the Cape Cod Times live Facebook uh, broadcast. We usually come to you every Thursday at 9 a.m., but today we're doing this at noon and we're going to spend the entire hour on one topic. I'm news editor Patrick Cassie. I'm here with reporter Marianne Bragg, who covers the outer Cape towns of Eastham, Wellfleet, and Truro, as well as Wales and uh, and a number of other uh, topics. But most recently, Marianne spent uh, a lot of her time on the big story of the week and uh, one could say one of the biggest stories um, of the year, the decade, and, and beyond potentially, uh, the fatal shark attack in Wellfleet uh, almost a week ago um, tomorrow, or for a Saturday it will be. Uh, we're going to spend, as I said, the whole show talking about that, try and provide as much context as possible. You can take a look back at our coverage of all things that are shark-related at capecuttimes.com slash sharks. Um, and we've been covering this topic for quite some time, so it goes beyond, obviously, this latest uh, attack and, and, and tragedy. You can take a look back at all the past episodes of CCT Live and follow along at home on all our social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and the like. Um, Marianne, uh, to get right into it here, uh, what happened on uh, Saturday? This would have been, um, uh, again, uh, a week ago on Saturday coming up. Right, this past Saturday, right around noon. Uh, It wasn't just me, but a number of reporters, video people, photographers. uh, We all ended up heading toward Newcomb Hollow Beach, which is the northernmost ocean beach in Wellfleet. There was a report of a reported shark attack, um, and we all got there um, within minutes of each other, uh, interviewed people. As I actually, as I was driving there uh, from Hyannis, the ambulance with the victim, um, I passed it. They were headed toward Cape Cod Hospital. But as it turned out, um, it was a Revere man from Brazil. His name was Arthur Medici. He was 26. He was uh, boogie boarding with his, I think it was uh, a good friend. And he, um, this was maybe 30 yards, sorry, 300 yards south of the town beach. And um, based on what witnesses said, uh, he was boogie boarding with the other, uh, with his friend. And then suddenly, they weren't too far out, maybe 35 feet uh, off the beach. Suddenly, they um, saw kind of a a roiling, uh, boiling uh, bunch of water. This is witnesses talking witnesses, at this point yeah. that you were talking with. Right. And then um, they, a lot of people on the beach. It was a nice yeah. day. It was a, a day that a lot of people spend their time down right. there and, and plenty of people who yeah. were witnesses, really. Right. And maybe even 20 to 25 surfers in the water mm-hmm. as well. But uh, they described they describe just seeing this kind of roiling water and then the, uh, realized that an injury had occurred. And um, I think the, the person who was with Mr. Medici attempt they pulled him out then people began to realize that there was an injury and ran to help him so i know that was isaac uh, rocha who was uh medici's uh girlfriend's brother a young man himself i think he's like 16 so he's about 10 years younger than Mm -hmm. uh than medici but they were there they were two young men who clearly uh loved doing this type of activity as you said there were a lot of people there i showed up after you and and i know looking at the waves they were you know kind of these waves that uh, surfers really enjoy um nice nice curl to them and this is what surfers are looking at but it's an area and and the, the whole outer beach there is an area where there are you know, sandbars and troughs and and you can get pretty uh 
deep uh, pretty quickly after you get out a little bit and and they're always looking for the right place to catch those waves and and uh, again unfortunately in this case there was a shark in that location um so so again medici right. was brought to cape cod hospital and and pronounced dead at that point right right the people there on the beach we ended up with uh walking all the way down south to really the last people on the beach talking to them uh and there were they pointed to these particular two uh, people as being um surfing right in the closest wave to the beach not far not far out at all um and they um uh described uh well not to be too graphic but really blood in the water but then also um, as they worked to help uh, Mr. Medici that there wasn't a lot of blood at particularly um, in his wounds at he that wasn't point. bleeding anymore which right. would be an indication that a lot of blood had, he had lost right. a lot of blood at that point and that's one of those things that right. uh, first responders are, are uh, grappling with I know when we look uh, back this some of this is now the second uh, shark bite victim here on the Cape. The other one was in Truro. Not you know those two towns are right alongside each other. They're both within the Cape Cod National Seashore. Parts of the towns are in the Cape Cod National Seashore. Right. Um, I think and, it's about four miles. They're about four miles. Four apart. miles apart. And, but but in reality, again, some some context here as as uh, our, our viewers may know. Uh, you know, Cape Cod has become a, a place and especially the outer beaches there from Provincetown uh, down to Chatham, which is where it kind of first started uh, becoming a place where a lot of sharks showed up. It has become a place where there there are a lot of sharks out there. And, and we always talk about it here, how when you see the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy, which is the nonprofit and the State Division of mm-hmm. Marine Fisheries reporting uh, through the Shark Conservancy's Sharktivity app that they're seeing a number of sharks it's really because they're out there looking. They happen to be out on their research vessel, either tagging or, or recording uh, uh, those sharks, and or they have their their spotter plane up. And so you hear these reports: "Oh, there's there's a there's a lot of sharks today." But in reality, that's because they're out looking for them. They're there pretty much all the time now, and that's what the experts are saying: is there are sharks in those waters all the time. Right. Um, also, on shark on that app, it's the lifeguards. Also, if they see. A shark, that I think that ends up being reported as yeah, well. Yeah, they can report that yeah. to, uh, I think, the, the Sharktivity folks, and then they will put that on the app. There, 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 now, the app becomes a question here because they, the, there has been a lot of talk about technology, and uh, the response to this has certainly been um, that more needs to be done. Anytime you have a, a fatality, uh, people look at this. And, and this, is, this is the first in 80 years, we should say, in Massachusetts, more than 80 years right. in Massachusetts, the last was 1936. And, uh, but people, when we were at the beach, and, and I think you probably saw some of this, there, some disbelief, but at the same time, everybody kind of said they saw this coming, that this was inevitable. You have a lot of swimmers in the water around Cape Cod. You have a, lo- a lot of these sharks that have now showed up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that close proximity, it was going to happen. Um, I guess, and again, with the beachgoers who you spoke to, uh, how did they react in terms of you know uh, their behavior? I mean, were they were they talking about going back in the water? Were they not talking about going back in the water? It's a real mix, I think, because I ended up speaking with a surfer, and he had didn't seem to have any intention to stop surfing. Mm-hmm. There were other people who um, really walk up to their ankles now in the water, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it is a real a real mix, and it's funny like. In August, not funny, but in August we were discussing 
uh, maybe drones over the Truro Beach and more tele more communication options are needed. And I think people are still saying that now with this second bite that there needs to be really much better communication like telephone, cell phone service is really impossible. And that was the case in both both uh, of these bites in the last couple of months. These, um, are, these are beaches that are either with at the end of dunes or at the uh, drop of sharp cliffs. And, and uh, the Cape is a lot of people who have cell phone service here. And uh, some of us have two phones, a work phone and a personal phone. And you're talking about uh, not that great cell service to begin with, because one of the things that we've often talked about with when we talk about hurricane response and mm -hmm. storms is the fact that the way cell phone coverage works is in concentric circles and they overlap them. And when you're in a big mainland area, you can kind of overlap them and get a lot of coverage. But the cell phone companies don't look at, you know, covering the water as something that's, you know, essential for them. There's not enough customers out on the water to kind of make it worth it. And so you end up with these areas where these kind of circles miss. And and also within the dunes, you're talking about like getting down below something that could be blocking a signal. So right. it is something that came up yeah. and, and they'd already been talking about you know, potentially putting, you know, payphones or landlines out there in order right. to deal with this. Right. I even learned that the um, EMS radios don't really work very well once uh, they've gone from the parking lots, which are up on a bluff, down to the beaches, which are quite a ways down, that they sometimes even use a human, what might be called a human repeater, with the radio person like way down the beach and then another person with a radio uh, maybe right there at the parking lot to communicate to the Wellfleet fire station. So, so they're talking to that person who's then communicating right. back to the fire station, which isn't that far away, Wellfleet fire station. And, and they they were there pretty quickly. I think we had talked to, you had talked to uh, some folks in Wellfleet right. uh, about the response time. Uh, it's like it was, two and a half miles away. So they miles. were there within five minutes. Yeah. They but then the, you also had to get him down the beach and up to the parking lot at the same time. Right. So I think, uh, the bystanders or people on the beach carried him just like bodily, maybe halfway. Then the Wellfleet off-duty lifeguards came and helped with CPR at that point. Then I believe the then the EMS people arrived. It, so. it, yeah, and from his injuries, it doesn't sound like there was, um, and I'm no doctor, but it doesn't sound like there was too much of a, a chance. It was almost once he got out of the water, as mm -hmm. you said, he had lost a lot of blood at mm -hmm. that point, which makes it difficult. Um, mm -hmm. Going back to that August bite, um, uh, William Lighton, who's a New York man, did survive. Um, and he, right. he had some pretty bad wounds, but he did survive. And, and some of that was uh, trucked up to the quick response, which I think happened in this case, too. It's just that the wounds sounded like they were worse. Right. I think so. Right. I believe that's true. Yeah. Um, right. So Mr. Lighton, he, let's see, I was just reviewing his injuries. They were mostly on his left side. And um, people Oh, I'm trying to remember what happened. People immediately uh, tried, oh, they tried to use, they ended up using a tourniquet? Or? I, think they, I think somebody ran and got a tourniquet and were able to right. use it on him. And then they had towels oh, right. that they wrapped around his right. legs as well. And with uh, the Medici, there was some quick thinking uh, there. And again, un unfortunately, it didn't didn't help in this case. But they, they were using, uh, first of all, the leash from the boogie board mm -hmm. was used right yeah. away to try to, to create mm -hmm. a tourniquet. And then somebody grabbed a dog leash that mm -hmm. was nearby to try and create a tourniquet. So 
it is interesting to me in both these cases in particular, and, and you could probably go back to the, the was it 2012 bite um, also in Truro, um, how quickly people on the beaches are reacting to this and how they're jumping in. You know, you could say heroically. I mean, again, it doesn't always end well as, as in this case, um, but that willingness to kind of, of everybody dive in, mm-hmm. I think that that speaks to kind of the mentality out on those outer beaches too, where it's it's out there. It's a little wild to begin with, even without sharks. This is an area that's not always safe. I mean, there's undertoes. There's there's you know, yeah. it's it's dangerous waters in some respects, in a lot of respects. And I think people kind of rely on each other uh, quite a bit. So that reaction was right. pretty impressive. And it's also wide enough. The beach spread out enough that people um, last Saturday who were surfing north north of kind of north of the beach didn't really have any idea what was happening. And one guy that I spoke to ended up running around, you know, yelling shark, shark out of the water and motioning for people who didn't really realize what was going on to, um, you know, get out. And again, those communications are going to be a continued uh, uh, thing that people look at. Um, The response uh, from officials uh, has been, um, uh, to try and figure out what they can do. There has been, it should be said, a, uh, a shark working group that's been in right. place for five years. Mm-hmm. They've been meeting, you know, every year, a couple times a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been discussing uh, various things. They've, they've been uh, the group that has pushed to have a lot of the signs up. If you go to the beaches, you'll see the signs that have a big shark on them and are very, you know, clear that this is right. water where there are sharks all the time. Um, they've also looked at some technology. Um, I think balloons uh, were looked at at one point. I think so, although I don't, yeah. I don't know that much about it. But I know the expense ended up being, they liked the results, but the expense was 300000 for three months. I yeah, believe, I think it was 12 weeks, like exactly. Yeah. And that's what it came down to in, in when they were looking at that. I think it was just last year. Uh, they'd done a pilot. They, they looked at the video that they were able to get from these balloons that had a camera on them and would be floated and, and from a tether hung above a beach. And, and then the idea would be somebody would be monitoring that and be able to look and say, that's a shark that's near swimmers and it would be able to, you'd be able to call people out of the water. But that price was, was a little too steep for the, for the towns. And I, am not sure if that 300,000 was just to have like one beach covered, essentially. It was just, uh, it was, it was a pretty high price. They thought, mm-hmm. I think, you know, they're looking at people have talked about drones and, and kind of the idea of flying drones up and down the beach um, and, and doing that on a regular basis. Um, a lot of the people who spoke uh, to you and to other reporters, um, from official them also just kind of said it's we just need to change our behavior as humans because they're here now this is going to happen uh it's it's while you can try and um prevent you know some instances mm-hmm. you can't have eyes everywhere you can't uh do certain things there's been calls for for culling seals there was a call last year by a, a county commissioner uh for for baiting and culling the sharks both of those are, are not easy, and, and you cover whales uh, for the for the paper, so you know about the Marine Mammal mm-hmm. Protection Act. Right. Um, what's the hurdle there? I mean, that's that's a federal law that they'd have to change, right? Yeah, that seems huge to me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Are they? I'm not sure whether they're considered threatened or endangered, but I don't know whether there's just the basic Marine Mammal Protection Act, but also whether they're 
for the sharks seals, or, it was, or seals or sharks, I yeah, guess, are and considered endangered I know, or threatened. I, I don't think the seals are anymore, and I may be wrong on this, but I think they, they were almost extinct at one point. Mm -hmm. There were no seals, and that's when kind of this idea of the Marine Mammal Protection Act went into place was to looking at a situation where they said <laughs> this is a species that's really been uh, hunted and, and, and close to uh, not being here anymore, um, and that was the idea behind the Marine Mammal Protection Act. Uh, sharks, uh, I think, around the world have felt an enormous amount of pressure um, in terms of, uh, you know, hunting in, in other places for sharks is for things like shark fin soup and, and for, you know, mm -hmm. for food and, and other reasons. Here in the United States, I mean, the Jaws phenomena really did, uh, I think, scare people. And, and, you know, the idea of killing sharks was not uh, a problem when people were, were thinking in that point in time. But it's been, you know, a, a change in ethos over uh, many decades here. And, and now people look at sharks and say, well, it's, you know, they're in the ocean. They were there first. Right. Um, and that conversation has gone on on our Facebook page and in mm -hmm. a lot of places about, okay, they're there. They've, they've always been there. We, we hunted them quite a bit. Now they're back in some numbers. The sharks here have come for the seals, um, really, is what's happened. Um, and, and I think the advocacy of the Atlantic... Um White Shark, Shark Conservancy, Conservancy has done a lot yeah. to kind of, it's almost like they're advocating for, well, they are advocating for the sharks. Yeah. So when you, when they issue statements, it tends to kind of balance the fear with and just, you know, think about asking people to kind of think about human, think about nature yep. and protecting nature, yep. not just, uh, kill, not just kind of thinking about killing them yes i think you're absolutely right and and i don't think they you know uh would shy away from the idea that they're a conservancy i mean that's in their name for yeah. for the sharks uh they also say though that they provide um you know data and working with the state marine uh, division division of marine fisheries shark expert greg scomel um they provide uh, a lot of data that can be used to uh improve public safety there are, there are a lot of people out there, and again, uh, it calls last year, um, who say, nope, we, we, we want to, you know, get rid of the sharks or we want to get rid of the seals completely. And that was happening before the sharks showed up. The, the seal population was increasing. And I know fishermen in particular were mm -hmm. upset because they saw the seals and, and they were in the areas where they were fishing and thought they're, they're taking our fish and they're competing with us. Um, so that was a, a call previously. But as you said, you have places like the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy, International Fund for Animal Welfare, based in Yarmouth Port. Mm -hmm. um, they respond to strandings of, of various marine mm -hmm. mammals. And they've also said that we really need to push for, for uh, a science-based approach uh, as we're dealing with these things. And obviously, International Fund for Animal Welfare, it's in the name. They're, they're somebody who's advocating for the animals. There are people who say somebody needs to advocate for the, for the people who are using the beaches Big concerns are the economy, the effect on the economy, um, and and right. people have worried about that as well. Um, one of the other big concerns is the effect on the first responders. You did a story about the first responders who responded to this particular incident and how things were handled. You talked to the chief in Wellfleet. What did he have to say about how that was dealt with in terms of their response? Well, it we I hadn't actually really thought I would get onto this topic when I was talking to him. We were talking about response times, and then we, it, as it turns out. Um, and I didn't really know this, I cover fire and police a lot, is that the fire department, they 
when they respond to what would be considered a super high stress uh, rescue, that after the person is taken to the hospital or once they've kind of re um, ended the call, that they do a, an evaluation in terms of how the responders themselves are doing, whether they need to go home and maybe just relax, whether it's okay to go back to work. But as it turned out, um, Chief Polly and Wellfleet said, Fire Chief Polly said that he had to make a quick decision after the shark bite where they had taken uh, Mr. Medici to the hospital. He was uh, declared dead there, but uh, that right away he sent all of his rescue people home uh, to who were on duty, who were on duty time, yeah. to just uh, just relax, and yeah. he ended up replacing everybody. And then at the same time, the next day, there was a larger group meeting that included the police, the off-duty lifeguards, the dispatchers, where uh, I think they met at the fire station, but they, they all met again and then had an opportunity if they wanted to talk to counselors or um, anybody. Mm. So, and he said, basically, everybody seems to be doing okay after that call, um, but he does, he's out of, on vacation, out of state. Uh, this week, but he said the important thing is to keep an eye on everybody, uh, stay in communication. Yeah, and right. he said he he was on the, he just said he was on the phone like 50 times, and he said, you know, a large part of that is really just talking to everybody in the department. And keeping an eye, like you said, it's a, it's a you know, first responders, they respond to uh, car crashes. Those can be mm -hmm. uh, traumatic. They respond to shootings and, and yeah. acts of violence. Those can be traumatic. And I think after all those, they have kind of some standard protocols that they deal with, uh, uh, according to what you were reporting. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so this is kind of in line with that. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's kind of a new sort of thing uh, recently for uh, people here to be dealing with. So uh, there might be something different. Uh, the uh, the idea, and this goes to the reaction by beachgoers and and everybody. It, this is a rarity, obviously. Still, um, thankfully, still. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thought some some interesting reaction that that we've heard out there is people who are are dealing with loved ones who are are dying of opioid overdoses and mm -hmm. who are dying in other uh, instances that are unfortunately not rare, that are happening quite a bit. And they're kind of saying, well, yeah, okay, this is bad. We, we feel very badly for this young man's family. But there are things that are happening every day, car crashes and, and things mm -hmm. that are uh, happening that really you, you really need to deal with because they could happen to anybody at any time. This, yes, needs to be deal, dealt with, but let's bring it all into some context. So there's that side of it as well. Um, but, but again, it could be something new for first responders to be dealing with and, and they're kind of working through that. And I know in other areas of the country, this is more frequent and has been happening more frequently. So, uh, it's something that they've, they've already looked at a little bit and are, are dealing with, um, Again, uh, uh, official them here. We're talking elected officials and mm -hmm. folks with the National Seashore, um, and and they're they're talking about a, a meeting as soon as maybe even tomorrow. It's it's unclear with municipal officials. Do you right, know? I think at least more of an internal meeting, not a public meeting, mm -hmm. but where town staff and the seashore staff. Now I'm not sure whether county people may be involved too. Mm -hmm. To, uh, I guess the big question as is what. What's next? What's next? Yes. What do <laughs> so, we do now? Yep. And then they're planning a public meeting as well. Maybe not not this week, but soon. I think. Yeah, you almost so. feel like they have to do that as people are are grappling with this. You know, the public is grappling with this and trying to figure out what's next. 
I guess good news could be that it's towards the end of the season. You won't be seeing, you know, it's still, you know, as we know on Cape Cod, the mm-hmm. month of September is, mm-hmm. is a beautiful month and the yeah. water can still be warm enough to get out there in October even. Um, but not as many people swimming at the beaches. It is still prime time for sharks, though. They're still very much out there. Um, but again, as you said, those seashore and municipal officials are meeting. County commissioners met uh, this this week. They quickly, some of them quickly said, we don't have jurisdiction here. We don't really have mm-hmm. uh, kind of the legislative, um, you know, uh, place here to, to do anything, but we could act as a facilitator. Um, there was some some questions from one of the county commissioners, the chairman, as to whether uh, the state delegation had been doing enough. That was quickly responded to by State Senator Julian Sear, who said, you know, we have been doing things. There are things that have been done and we're working on things right now. So some politics uh, that got mixed in there a little bit. Um, uh, but I, I guess it's always important to, again, bring some context. The, the likelihood of somebody being bitten by a shark still relatively uh, low. Um, but I think, again, that kind of visceral reaction to the idea, which which does uh, cause people a lot of fear, is something that people are also uh, dealing with. Um, the uh, Going forward, uh, we'll be continuing to report on this. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, I know you're working on a story. I know we have another reporter working on another follow-up story. Um, and we'll be continuing to, to work on uh, kind of what that response is how that plays out and what it means for beachgoers, what it means for the sharks, what it means for seals, what it means for, you know, uh, folks who, who visit the beaches for any myriad of reasons um, and kind of what other things are going to be put in place. So uh, thank you, Marianne, for, for joining us. And and thank you uh, to our audience for joining us. Feel free to check out all Marianne's stories uh, about this and, and stories from other reporters. There were a number of reporters who worked on this and, and uh, you really jumped in and, and helped out as we were reporting reporting on this. It's at kipcottimes.com slash sharks. Uh, you can check out all our back episodes of uh, CCT Live at kipcottimes.com slash CCT Live. And uh, thanks again for joining us and uh, appreciate your time. Share it with your friends. Let them know that it's on. It'll be there for you on Facebook. And uh, until next week, uh, good afternoon and good luck. Thanks.